0: Uh, I will also, I won't ask for a show of hands here, but I'm curious to know how many of you would see this glass as half full, and how many of us might see it as half empty? Uh, you yeah, know, does Toledo have issues? Sure. Uh, yeah, let's broaden that here. Independence Day weekend, if you can call Tuesday, Independence Day. Does our country have issues? Sure. I don't think we need to look any farther than the president's Twitter account. We, we have some issues, <laughs> right? But do we also have some incredible freedoms and resources and opportunities around us? Yeah. You know, I think our lives are full of these glass half full, glass half empty kind of moments and situations and things that we can look at things from the different perspectives. And I want to give you a couple examples of this. Uh, Who's been to Kroger lately? Okay, I went into Kroger last week and, uh, oh my goodness, what a mess. Uh, Everything, I couldn't find anything. And, uh, yeah, it took me twice as long as I wanted to be in there. And I came back and I complained to people at the office. And then I complained to people in my family. And then I complained to Facebook. And uh, in the midst of this all, one, one person uh, actually here this morning said, yeah, first world problems. And I thought, ain't that the truth? Man, a mile from my house I have this incredible grocery store full of all kinds of stuff. And if I don't find what I'm looking for there, I can go another mile and be at mire. We have incredible resources around or solder, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, good call. Um, so Yeah, we have incredible resources around us. You know, the grocery store trip, half full, half empty. Yeah, let me give you an example with a little more substance. Uh, For three years of seminary courses, I had to travel twice a year to uh, Minneapolis. I don't know if you can see all the little dots of construction along the way there. I mean, it it was it took a long drive. It always seemed to come at a bad time when I was missing things here at church. One time I missed a Make a Difference Day or fall uh, big outreach event or I'd miss things with the family. And I just complain about it a lot of times. Well, imagine how my perspective changed when I sat down at my first intensive and sat beside a guy named David who had come from Liberia in Africa. And imagine how my perspective changed the following year when David was was not sitting there because he had been quarantined in Liberia because of an Ebola outbreak. And imagine how my perspective changed the following year when David was no longer sitting there because he passed away. Seminary travel experience, glass half full, glass half empty. Now, I tend to be a realist. I tend to acknowledge the complexity of things, but I'm going to unashamedly lean into the glass half full side of things uh, this morning, because as citizens of, of a time and place like this, we have incredible resources and incredible opportunities that haven't been known to most of the world in the history of the world. You know, Even if we're not citizens of the United States this morning, we're citizens of an amazing time in history. I was, you can walk uh, not 60 miles from here, up at Greenfield Village in Detroit, the Ford Museum. You can walk by the Sarah Jordan Boarding House. This is one of the first homes in the United States that was wired for electricity in, in 1879. This is less than 150 years ago. You know, from the, the creation of the world to the time of Jesus Christ to Abraham Lincoln, it took fire to light the night. And in a moment... Historically speaking, everything changed. And over the last 150 years, innovation has transformed the way that we travel, the way that we work, the way that we communicate, the way that we know. What did the world do before Google? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here right now, but this is amazing stuff. Within minutes of walking out of my door at home, I can be feeding a giraffe by hand. I can be standing in front of world-class art, watching professional sports, walking through a forest, fishing on a lake, or flying to another country. It's incredible the resources that we have around us, and yet because of the access that we have to so many amazing things, sometimes we get engrossed by them. We get sucked into this all all the stuff that's around us. So what I want to do this morning, this this Independence Day weekend, I want to pause for a minute and back up and just look at some scripture and get some perspective from the Bible on how we should view it all, how we might look at our lives through some different lenses, through some biblical lenses. And to do that, I want to dive into Second Corinthians 5. We'll be a few different places this morning in scripture, but Second but Corinthians 5 is going to kind of anchor us. So here's what Paul writes in Second Corinthians 5, uh, verse 16. From now on, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know him in this way. It's an interesting thing when you think about it, that we're not supposed to look at things in a human way. I mean, how are we supposed to look at things? We're humans. I like this quote from a a French priest and, and philosopher. He says, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Right There are spiritual realities and dynamics that are going on around us that are very much real. And yet, our tendency sometimes is to look at things in a purely human way. Paul's saying, don't just go further than this. Don't just look at things from a purely human perspective. He goes on, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. Right there's this idea here that when we're, that when we are in Christ, when our faith is in Christ, something changes or transforms. There's kind of a before and after effect here. And for me, this is looked. There's a couple of turning point moments for me, in relationship to, to not being in Christ and coming into being in Christ. Right, one of these was a, moments was as a junior in high school, I went on a, a weekend retreat. It was the first time I remember hearing that, that God didn't just love the whole world, but He actually loved me. And that I actually needed to respond to that. It took it took Christianity, it took my faith from being a, a sit-in-the-seat-on-Sunday kind of a thing, and it personalized it. And I realized that, that if God loved me, then I either needed to accept and receive His love, or I was going to turn Him away. There was a changing point, there's a turning point for me of, of becoming in Christ. I'll give you another, a second example for me was in college. I, uh, my freshman year of college, I sat in front of a speaker who asked two questions. He said, what cause are you going to live for and what person are you going to live to please? He said, over the next several years, you're going to make some of the most important decisions in your life. You're going to make decisions that are going to affect the rest of your life and create a foundation. And so what cause will you live for and what person will you live to please? And I realized at that moment I might have received God's love, but I hadn't really turned over my life and surrendered my, my own desires, my will Uh, my heart to him. And so it was a a transition point of of coming into Christ. Scripture is full of examples of what this really means when we're in Christ. and I'm going to hit a few things real briefly. But when we're in Christ, we become children of God. We're filled with God's Spirit. We're freed from sin, both its penalty and given and through His Spirit, through its power over our lives. We're promised eternal life. But I think it sums it up well just to say we are made new. We're different. We're justified. We are saved. We're forgiven. We're redeemed. We're reconciled. Right? We are different. We once were lost, now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. There's something transformational happening within us. And as Second as, uh, Corinthians 5.17 talked about, we're new creations in Christ. This creation, this word here is the same word Paul uses elsewhere to talk about the creation of the earth. It's as though that same divine power that made the whole universe is somehow present within us and we are changed. We're transformed by it. Now, for some of us, that happens. We can pinpoint that moment, right? When we were not in Christ and we and we received Christ, maybe it was a prayer through conversation. Through some for some of us that I still think there's a moment, but it probably happens somewhere in a season right, where we came to the end of ourselves And turn our life over to Christ. For some of us here in a a room this size, there are probably some here that haven't had that moment yet. Who are still thinking, am I going to surrender before Christ? Am I going to believe? Am I going to place my faith in him? It's the biggest decision I think you'll ever make in your life. If you're on the fence there this morning. But as new creations, something different happens to us. And we we tend to think about this individualistically as as between me and God. But there's also some corporate implications to this. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Right, We're citizens of a time and a place, but we're also citizens of heaven. Philippians 3 says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, all the resources and all the opportunities that we have in this time and place, in this world, pale in comparison to what we have in Christ. To the love and the joy and the peace that surpasses understanding what we find in a relationship with God. We've got sort of a dual citizenship thing happening here. We're citizens of a time and place here on earth. And if we're in Christ, we're also citizens of heaven. We're dual citizens. But I think there's even a better picture than, than the dual citizenship picture. Uh, my sister-in-law, Lindsay's sister, uh, met a guy named George online, actually through eHarmony. This works at times, I've heard. The uh, George was from India. And grew up in India, worked in India, he had worked in Singapore and other places around the country, and then is now working in the US when they met. So Rachel and George, they, they met, they were they dated, they were married, they've had two kids. And in this process, George decided that he wanted to become an American citizen. So he went through the process of becoming an American citizen. Now I had not been close personally to anyone who had been through this, so I was just I was intrigued. And I was asking him some questions about what it's like to be a U.S. citizen, to have been an Indian citizen, and then to become a U.S. citizen when his mom and and family and friends are still in India. You know, what's that like for you? And he said, well, you know, I've, I've given up my Indian citizenship, but I have this thing called a PIO card, a person of Indian origin card. That allows me access into India to to own land and to to work and to bless people there for the rest of my life. Isn't that interesting? He talked a little bit more, and he said, you know, I I once was an Indian citizen, but I I now am an American citizen with all the rights and privileges that come along with that. Right, my allegiance is to America, but I retain broad access to India to bless people there. And I think this is kind of what we're getting at. When we are in Christ, in a sense we surrender our citizenship on earth to become citizens of heaven with all the rights and the privileges and the promises that are associated with that. But we retain broad access to bless the world here. And I'd suggest this morning it's more than just access. It's actually our calling, it's our mission. Before we looked at at 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. But look at what follows this. This is kind of a, so what? Why? Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we were ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Right? We are citizens of heaven called to be his ambassadors to our world. We are in Christ and called to be for Christ. Or look at that, the verse we looked at before in 1 Peter. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Well, why? Look at the rest of the verse. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, in Christ we have remarkable resources and opportunities and freedoms and a meaningful mission that He has called us on to be His ambassadors to earth, to, to work for the reconciliation of things that are lost and broken. It's really amazing. And here's, we've walked, As we walk through July and even the last uh, week or two, we, we've been in a series called Together with One Mission. And these are these are we're leading up to Andy's uh, last weeks uh, as our senior pastor, uh, as he's retiring. The uh, the 23rd, July 23rd, will be his last Sunday here. And by the way, you will not want to miss that morning. Uh, God is doing some stuff in our midst that is just. Miraculous! It's beyond explanation. And and, uh, this is kind of a side note, but I hope you can all be here with us on the 23rd because it's going to be a fun service, fun morning, as we celebrate what God's done through Andy, but also our mission together as a church that continues on. I think if we're going to be together on one mission, if we are going to love God and love each other and get the message out, not just from a head perspective, but from our hearts with passion, I think we have to embrace our identity as citizens of heaven. We have to embrace what it means to be in Christ. And I just want to suggest three things this morning that I think will help us to do that, to embrace this dual citizenship idea. One is don't get too close to the world. That might sound a little weird, but be careful about not getting too close to the world. This is from 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Romans talks about not being conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I want to suggest this morning, if anything is consuming you, even good things, work, Right, home activities or family activities even, you know, money, sports, if anything is consuming you to the degree that it is, it is dethroning God in your life or pulling you away from your relationship with God, it may be time this morning to reevaluate and consider letting some things go. Be careful about becoming too close to the world, too ingrained in the world. Right, An ambassador does little good when he forgets where he's from and gets too sucked into the world that he's in. Don't get too close to the world, but let me say on the other flip side, don't pull too far away either. You know, if an ambassador does little good when, he's too, when he forgets where he's from, he also does little good when he forgets who he's been called to serve. Now, I want to say, for some of us, we need boundaries in our lives. And, and for some of us, there are things within this world we need to be careful of and mindful of and not expose ourselves to temptations that we can't handle. There are things, things in life we know that we're susceptible to falling to, and there's wisdom in creating some boundaries, of using some discernment in life. My concern is that sometimes, and I've been here in in the past, sometimes our world gets so full of citizens of heaven that we forget about the citizens of on earth. Or our world becomes so consumed with Christians that we forget that there's a world around us that's there to be blessed. And that God's calling us to engage that world, even if it's a little messy at times. Jesus gives us, I think, a really good example here to, to look at. As, as one who engaged the mess of the world around him. Uh, I love something Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in, in uh, Atlanta, says. He said, if Jesus believed in guilt by association, he never would have come to earth. Right? Sometimes there's a need to, to engage the world around us in redemptive ways. Paul also gives us a good example, I think, in Acts 17. Paul walks into Athens. He calls it a city full of idols. And I love his response there because he doesn't go, you idol worshipers. (laughs) He doesn't he doesn't blast them for worshiping idols. He also doesn't steer clear and go, I'm not associating with those idol worshipers. He engages the city and he finds an altar to an unknown God and says that God you worship in ignorance. Let me tell you about who that is. Right. There's a need for us as God's people to engage this world in redemptive ways to point people towards Christ. So as a church. We try to do this in a lot of different ways. We want to serve people's practical needs, but we also want to let them know why we're doing that because Christ's love compels us to make a difference in the world. What will profit the world to gain all the stuff and practical needs filled if they lose their soul? We want to be a both-and church, a church that meets practical needs and stands for justice and also that helps meet spiritual needs. And praise for God's kingdom to come, and isn't ashamed to talk about Jesus Christ and what we do. Don't get too close to the world. don't pull too far away. And my last thing here, and this is maybe this is uh, too simple, but fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the firstborn ambassador. He is our ultimate example, and one we should be modeling and shaping our lives around. Let me tell you, there is in this life pain, there is brokenness, there is sadness and disappointment and wounds. And I've walked with some of you this week that are experiencing that. It can be heartbreaking. But in those moments, even in those moments, we can fix our eyes on a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. We can fix our eyes on one who was betrayed by his closest friends. One who lost loved ones. One who was beaten and mocked and scorned and hung up on a cross. And yet who overcame it all. And lives on. We can fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. One who is worthy of fixing our eyes on And I don't know whether you're a glass half full or glass half empty kind of a person, but if we are in Christ, there's always hope of that glass being filled. When we are in Christ, we can look ahead to an inheritance, to a day with Him. Our best days will always be ahead. There is cause for hope. And this morning, as we we round out our service, as we come to the close of our service, I want to give you an opportunity here this morning to fix your eyes on him. And we're going to celebrate communion together. And, and as we do that, this is a moment for us to fix our eyes on him, to allow him to be working in our lives, to remember that we are in Christ. Now, it's a moment to evaluate our heart and to realize and, and maybe pray over, trying to, uh, to see, God, is there, are there areas of my life where I have gotten too close to the world and haven't embraced your love? Are there areas in my life that I've pulled too far away and I'm missing out on the mission that you have for me here? But regardless of those things, this morning this is a moment for us to fix our eyes on Christ as our Savior and to remember the hope that we find in Him. As we celebrate communion this morning, communion is open to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, even if this is the first morning for you to make that decision to follow Him. And as the bread and the cup come to you this morning, I want to ask you to do something. Just take the bread and take the cup and hold on to those for a moment. Uh, and what we're going to do this morning is, is take the bread and the cup once together, once everyone has been served. Let's fix our eyes on Christ together this morning. Let me pray for us. Lord, you have done remarkable things, and we have incredible resources and freedoms and opportunities as citizens of heaven when we come to be in Christ. And Lord, for anyone this morning here who is, is not wouldn't describe themselves as in Christ, who maybe have, uh, are wandering or wondering, I pray you'd speak into, into those lives this morning affirm your love, your forgiveness, your grace and mercy. And Lord, for those of us who would describe ourselves as in Christ, I pray that we would embrace and take hold of the life that you offer. Lord, that you would remind us who we are as citizens of Christ and allow that identity to shape our priorities and who we are and who we're becoming. Lord, help us to be a church that loves you and loves one another and gets the message out with passion because it's the mission that you've called us to be ambassadors. Thank you for this place you've put us in and set us in for the freedoms you've given us. And Lord, this morning we just fix our eyes on you in these moments and we surrender before you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.